Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to another edition of Bannering the Blue Shirts. As always, uh, I'm Tom Merch Jr. And as always, I'm joined by Mike Murphy. And not always, uh, we're joined by Joe Fortunato. How's it going, Joe? I, uh, I promised the people I would do this in the incredibly unlikely event that the New York Rangers won the lottery. The Rangers won the lottery. And now here I am. Uh, we moved. I packed my microphone away because I was like, I'm not fucking podcasting anymore. And I had to get Mike and Tom to uh, do this on Zoom. So you all can't see the video, but I can. And it was three inserts was the beginning. You missed the other two. But see, that's a joke we have for just us because we can see each other. No more of those, I promise. I'm happy to be here. Thanks. And Mike, how are you doing today? I'm fine. This feels like I'm with an old lover and a new lover at the same time. Feels like it's I kind of like when have to bring you two together out of retirement. You know what I mean? And then he was playing while owning the team somehow. That's kind of what this feels like. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a, comparing myself to Mario Lemieux. Absolutely, yeah, but we not. really don't respect you in the way that Mario Lemieux is widely respected. Is he? Yeah, depends on who you ask. He's the greatest forward in the history of the game to me. Ooh, easy champ. What there's, Gretzky? There's a... Easy. Have you seen what 1980s hockey was like with goaltending? I'm not. I'm not doing this. All right, uh, you've already. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm right. Bobby Orr is the greatest defenseman. You've already. He's the greatest forward. Into this podcasting world that I left. And Hasek, Hasek's the best goalie. Not Wah, not Brodeur. Well, it's certainly not Brodeur. I think we can all agree on that. We can agree on that. But who do you think is the best defenseman? The, the most period overrated goaltender of all time. Seriously, that's not even like a dig at Devils fans. Yeah, for real. Mike, you would have posted shutouts in that neutral zone trap team. Eight, eight <sighs> saves a game, fantastic. Anyone could do that. It's taking all of three minutes yeah, for Jake over the show. Three inches <laughs> off the ice. Anybody could do that. Oh, Joseph. My sweet have boy. Missed, have you missed me? This is going to go over well. I mean, I'm really interested to see what type of uh, reviews we get on iTunes right. after this. It's going to be I like, oh, right wow. Now. Joe is back. Tom, get the fuck out. That's exactly what's going to be. <laughs> yeah, I am, I am doing zero review reading after this. I might not even listen to it. You know, just. I don't listen to the shows. I hate myself. Why would I do that? You stop it. This is the, the, that's the old mic. We get new mic. See, I this actually. pandemic mic. Swift. Different. Yeah, Mike is great. Like Mike's got to give himself some more credit. Like every every time we do a podcast, we wrap up and it'll be like I'm not. Oh really Jesus Christ! It. Here we and go. And I'm like, Mike, you were awesome. I don't know what you were listening to. Here we fucking go with this shit. Uh, Can't wait to leave show, right? uh, my one star review and demand Joe Fortunato return to the podcast every day under the pseudo. Maybe I should leave a podcast for you two. I mean, we'll, we'll get to this later, but everyone's talking about in you know the reviews. We want Joe back. We want Joe back. And I fucking put out a tweet. Joe's gonna be on the podcast. Ask questions, and I only got like a few. Like, what the fuck? Like, do you want it back or not? Are you just no, you know, nobody likes me, me around? This is, this is the nobody likes me. Nobody likes anyone. It is what it is. It's it's fine. It, this is all fine. This is what. The His wife and I like him the most. We're part of a really small I, group. I don't even know if that's true, to be honest with you. I'm probably my wife's 12th favorite person. That's rough. So, and one of those people in front of me is a dog. 
what would the pecking order be? Is it like, so it's the two children on evil playing field. Where does wizardry fall into the pecking order? Wizardy is, I have had wizardy. I have, this is how stupid this is. I've known my wife for 11 years. Okay. We've been together for 11 years, maybe 12. Jesus Christ. I have known wizardy 14 years longer than I've known my wife. Think, think about the logic of having a 26 year old frog. And you forget to feed him. Well, he's at my parents' house now. He's not at my in-laws. And he's changing colors, which I don't think is a good thing. But he's 26. Like, if he died tomorrow, I, I had an extraordinary life with him. So, so what also happened 26 years ago? Like, is there a connection? Is that why the Rangers haven't won a, another Stanley Cup? Like, could, Because of Wizardy? Could he be, like, some sort of, like, oracle? Of no, Atlantis? so I got, I, I got Wizardy for my birthday. So it would have been after the Rangers won the Stanley Cup. Okay. And then Wizardy came into existence. I was about to say, we might have to push this frog down a garbage disposal. You wouldn't have to try very hard. The, I think the frog wants to kill himself, to be completely honest. He's tried to escape the cage multiple times. And for the viewers, uh, when I say frog, depending on how new you are to the podcast, I think Mike and I had talked about this way back in the day. When I was seven, my aunt got me Grow-A-Frog. Literally, that's the name of the product, Grow-A-Frog. You can look it up. And it's Nesquik powder that turns into in a, a bag. It was a powder. It was a powder yeah. to pour water into, and all of a sudden, it, it grows a tadpole. The frogs are supposed to live two years. They're never supposed to be able to reproduce. That's it. Those are the ground rules, okay? The frog is 26. We got other frogs. Wizardy and Froggy mated. They had children. Froggy ate a lot of the eggs, but one of them survived. That was Ovi. do. Died first. Then Froggy killed herself about five years ago. Uh, she jumped out of the cage and died. And uh, Wizardy is still kicking, so... 26 years old. Done. We have gone way off. We're, we're not. Yeah, I'm literally going to have to so, as I'm editing who, this. Who this is, is the, who, who's the leader of the podcast these days? Is it Tom? What it's kind Tom. of question is that? Um, we are completely off the rails. You, we haven't even got, we haven't even said the word Rangers, which I find astounding. Uh, I'm better as a color commentator. Yeah, so, I'm going to literally listen to this and go like, and, you know, we kind of like shot the shit for like seven minutes, even whatever. So if you just want the Rangers talk, advance to this part. But yeah, um, a lot's happened and not, and not a lot has happened both at the same time because um, we're sort of in that weird spot where the playoffs are still ongoing, but the Stanley Cup final was almost set and, you know, draft is in a few weeks and then free agency. Um, so I'd say one of the best parts to start with is, is something that we've talked about a bit. Um, you know, want to have Joe's opinion on this. Um, you know, Henrik Lundqvist obviously has been with the team very long time and it's looking like that could potentially be coming to an end. We've had stories saying that a buyout is all but certain. We've had stories of Hank's back in New York. You know, he's going to, you know, meet with, uh, JD again, and you know, it's 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 a whole mess. But uh, you know, it, it such is life with the New York Rangers and their star players. Um, Joe, what what the hell do you think is going to go on with Hank? Like we've talked about this in Slack, but you know, obviously the viewers, you know, would love your opinion on this. Would they? 
Um, I thought we were going to start on a positive note. We have not. We've gone directly to Lundquist. Uh, I don't know, to be completely I think that in, in a logical realm of belief, there is nothing that's going to happen to Henrik Lundqvist that Henrik Lundqvist hasn't kind of approved outside of starting for the New York Rangers next year. Uh, I am unsure as to why, especially with the looming threat that we're going to have a flat cap moving forward, um, you would buy Henrik Lundqvist out versus trading Georgiev. Um, and I know that that seems to be a controversial opinion at this point as well, but here's the deal. And, and, and before I even get into that, Henrik Lundqvist is, since we're throwing out hot takes, I don't even think this is a hot take. Henrik Lundqvist is the greatest player to ever play for the New York Rangers. Mark Messier, Brian, Brian Leach is the only answer I will accept as a logical response to that question. But it's Henrik Lundqvist. There is not a player that was better for longer than Henrik Lundqvist. I mean, when, when you think about the goaltending position, you think about consistency, you think about, you know, doing the same thing over and over again. Henrik Lundqvist is the gold standard of goaltenders in the NHL for as long as he's done it and for as long as he did it with the New York Rangers. And, and the Stanley Cup argument is a load of shit. It is a team sport. I don't want to hear anything. Like uh, Nick Mercandante was on the podcast. I remember this quote years ago. You don't lose the Stanley Cup because your best player isn't good. You lose the Stanley Cup because the sum of your parts isn't good enough. And that's, that's really what it comes down to. And, and the fact that Henrik Lundqvist is more than likely retiring without a Stanley Cup or almost certainly leaving the Rangers without a Stanley Cup is a travesty and it's a black mark on everybody in the organization. But – for us to be at a point right now where we're even thinking of absorbing that cap penalty next year when the Rangers are likely going to start being really good, it just doesn't make sense to me. And trading Georgiev, while, yes, he's young, I think he's 24, 25, and you, know, you don't know what you have in Igor, you have one starting goalie. It's going to be Igor. It's either Igor or it's not. If it's Georgiev, fine, but it's not. It's, it's Igor. And having Igor and Georgiev split time 50-50 next year helps nobody, especially the New York Rangers. So I get it. You're probably trading Georgiev at, at below value, maybe 50 or 60 cents on the dollar. But if Hank is willing to be a backup, then he's willing to be a backup. If Hank wanted to play for Forlunda, he'd be in Forlunda. Like maybe he does want to stay in the NHL and he, he wants to leave the Rangers. That's fine. I'm sure they can look for a deal for him. But, you know, the only way it makes sense to buy Lundqvist out is if Lundqvist said to Jeff Gordon, if you can't trade me, I want to buy out. Because monetarily, it doesn't make sense, and not that it should matter, but from an optic standpoint, it really doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think it's really interesting based on how the playoffs have gone, where it, you see firsthand that it is a team sport. Who would have thought that the Vegas Golden Knights would have been uh, eliminated by the Dallas Stars? No, uh, you know, slight against them, but that's just a team that since they've entered the NHL, they've you know, taking advantage of their teams and build their things up. Um, when I think of Hank and if he's going to hang around for at least one more year, I look at a team like Colorado where there's sort of rumors out there that because they, you know, they were eliminated when they were, they're looking at next year as like an all-in year for one year because after that you're going to have to pay McCarr, um, you're going to have to resign Landis Scog, and not long after that, you're going to have to re-sign Nathan McKinnon, who's on one of the best contracts in the NHL. So, like, obviously they have two goalies. Um, 
but I kind of of the belief that they would take a run at Hank just because of what he's still capable of. Um, as we're going to be start rolling out report cards on the site. Um, I'm writing Hank's report card, and the numbers will show. You know, yeah, he's older. Yeah, he's not who he was in his prime, but he's still, you know, even at the the worst, an average NHL goaltender. And you look at their overall roster and uh, one year with low money because he's made a shit ton in the NHL. That would be uh, really interesting. Um, but you don't need him to be Henrik Lundqvist if he's not the starter, which, which I think is, you know, the, the point that gets overlooked here. And it's funny because we've had this argument for the reverse, right? For Dan Girardi that like being great in the room and the leader doesn't entitle you and your salary cap to, you know, anchor down the organization. But I think Henrik Lundqvist is a little bit different in the sense that, yes, the $8.5 million cap hit is enormous. And it's in a season when the New York Rangers likely need a little bit of space, but not as much space as they're going to need next year. And we kind of saw what the overarching, like, $6 million shot from Shattenkirk did. Oh, fuck that, yeah. (laughs) It's just like, I'm still mad about that. But, you know, there is something to be said for – if it makes sense to keep the guy around and it does make sense monetarily to keep Lundqvist around and write out the bad contract and, you know, not, and not even a bad contract, just the end of the contract that we knew it was going to be like this and and not have this looming, you know, dead cap that you're going to run into the year after next. Why not have him mentor Igor? Why not do that? You don't need to keep uh, Georgiev on the team Especially if he's not going to be your starting goalie. You're not going to build up trade value for him if he's not your starting goalie. It doesn't make sense. And yeah, let- him as like this safety net, I mean, you guys saw what, what we saw from, from Shostyorkin. And this is not a guy who's coming from juniors. This is a guy who succeeded, granted, on a very good team in the KHL. I don't, I don't see any reason why it would be foolish for the Rangers to jump in with two feet with Shostyorkin and leave Lundqvist as the backup goalie. I really well, I think – the big thing against that is like as titillating as Shesterkin is as a like a, a young emerging goalie, we're seeing more and more that it takes two goalies now in mm-hmm. in the shell. And moving forward with a one A, one B of of Igor and Georgiev feels like you know exactly what you have and they both still have a lot of potential. And we know Georgiev can wear the hat of 1B very comfortably. Whereas if the Rangers say, eh, fuck it, we'll trade Georgiev, you have Hank for probably just next season, then he's gone. And then you have to address like, okay, well, do we bring in a 1B or or what? And Tyler Wall. Yeah, is Tyler Wall ready to that, – that would be asking a lot. Um, but and then the what do you do is, with Georgiev? So Georgiev well, is just like you're going to split time with him next year and for <laughs> – well, the, the thing there is, well, like doing a 60-40 split or a 70-30 split in terms of starts, like that's not crazy. That's not unheard of. And you can preserve a goalie like Shesterkin who will matter more for things like the playoffs. And the thing that I keep going back to with this goalie situation that the Rangers have is like, so let's say the Rangers want to trade Georgiev. The free agent market for goaltenders this offseason is really rich in terms of UFAs you can pay nothing but money for. And I know the cap restrictions make it all 
intense and interesting, and it, it'll make for a lot of, honestly, opportunities for a team that's cash-rich like the Rangers. But there are other options out there. And for the time being, you're getting kind of like a 1B guy. And there are guys who, if you want to, like I know, you know, it's uncertain if uh, Robin Lader is going to stay in Vegas or not. You know, we've heard, we've heard both sides of that. But, like, there's a lot of guys out there who you will feel more confident that you're getting a 1A or a true starter. And you won't have to give up, you know, prospects or futures or anything uh, to acquire those guys. You just have to give up cap space. And there are plenty of teams that have cap space opening up. Uh, the, the other big thing to mention here is the Rangers do buy out Hank. They save $3 million in cap because uh, the cap penalty will go from, or the cap space will go down to 8.5, which is his contract cap hit, and then it'll go down to a 5.5 million in dead space from the cap, the buyout penalty. The following season, it's 1.5. So it's it's not an unreasonable looking way to to get out of this contract. It's just a dog shit way to handle the most important player in franchise history, probably. Um, and that is why a lot of this gives me pause. I don't, I don't envy JD or Jeff Corton for being in this position. But when this, when this situation, this three goaltender thing first happened, I said, it's a problem you want to have. I still believe that's true because you have really just like you're left with, like think of the options here. You have Igor and Hank for one year. Sounds pretty good. Or you have Igor and Georgiev. And you can have that potentially moving forward for the next half a decade. And that also sounds pretty good. Yeah, but Georgiev has to be okay with not being a starting goalie then. And I don't know if he will be. I mean, maybe. At, look, we, we could be, I could be completely underestimating how badly Georgiev wants to be a New York Ranger. Um, I don't think he's thrilled with his situation on the team. And uh, – Look, the Rangers have very clearly anointed Shesterkin as the heir apparent because he started in the playoffs when – and when he got hurt and he didn't start in the playoffs, it was Lundqvist and not Georg- yeah. uh, Georgiev. So, you know, Georgiev very clearly knows he is the B in this lineup, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But Georgiev has shown enough potential that he could probably be a starting goaltender in the NHL. I'm relatively confident in saying that. I'm sure you guys agree. So if you're Georgiev, you're a free agent this year, restricted free agent, I think. Yeah, RFA. I'm long-term with the New York Rangers if there's not a starting role for you here. Like, yes, it's all well and good to say, hey, look, we'll buy out Lundqvist. What's the big dead cap? It's like $6 million, right? Next, Not this year, but next it's year. 5. 5. Yeah. It's 5.5. 5. It's 5.5. When the Rangers are theoretically going to be at a point where – they should be bona fide playoff contenders and maybe a Stanley Cup contender, right? Because you're talking two years down the line. So why are you going to eat that instead of eating it right now? Now, the flip side to this is the Rangers could just keep Georgiev and somehow do like a three-juggle system that's going to help no one and really hurt Lundqvist most now, of the Well, we already know JD says we're not doing yeah. three goalies again. Like yeah, we know Lundqvist isn't, isn't retiring. And I don't think Georgiev wants to be a 1B goaltender. And he's not – ultimately, he's not going to be a 1B because, like you said, Mike, 70-30, which I agree with. It's not a bad idea. It's only 30% of the starts. You could have Lundqvist do that. You could have anyone do that. Yeah, I feel like they have but to make – Benoit Lair. 
they need to make a decision sooner rather than later because if they pull down, if say they play it out the string, okay, we're going to have a two-goalie rotation next year. Um, if Shosturkin is everything we think he's going to be, then Georgiev's going to see the writing on the wall. And if you, you're going to re-sign him this summer, it's going to be a year, maybe two. Um, then everyone around the league is going to know, okay, the Rangers have their guy. They're eventually going to trade him. So you're losing any potential leverage because teams know that Georgiev, yeah, while he's valuable in a B role, um, it, it, the Rangers are not going to get the most value in, in, in terms of cap space. Uh, I think what they should do with Lundqvist is what they should have done with Shattenkirk. You keep him on the roster knowing that there will be teams interested in him uh, at the trade deadline. And this way you're not buying anyone out and then you're offloading that contract. If you have to, you know, retain salary, if you need to add a sweetener, um, that's one thing, but you're going to have a lot of teams that I, I think are going to look to make it a decision on goaltending. You have all of the UFAs, you have guys, um, like Flurry, who could be available, guys like Jari, Matt Murray. So you're going to have all of these spots for goalies, and you're going to have way more goalies. So the Rangers could miss the boat uh, when it comes to you know maximizing Georgia's value. And I, I just think that sometimes it's better to make a decision a year early rather than a year late because mm. how do we know that, okay, Georgiev realizes what his lot is on this team and he doesn't play as well. And then they just, all right, we're going to ride Shesterka. Now you've have a guy who doesn't have a future with your team, isn't playing as well as he once was. And while, yeah, it's, you know, trades for goalies are weird. It's still somewhat of a missed opportunity. You're going to lose money on a Shesterkin trade or on a Georgiev trade regardless because you're not getting full value for him now and you know that. And if you don't have him as the starter next year, it's almost impossible to play a goalie with the intent of raising their trade value without yeah. throwing into flux what you're doing with Shesterkin. And this is the, the crux of the argument where I don't disagree with you, Mike, that it would be a wonderful thing in a perfect world to have Georgiev as the backup because you know what you have, but Georgiev. And I think, you know, we've used this terminology a lot. These guys are not NHL 20 AI robots. Like they have their own thoughts and feelings. And yeah, but he's, he's an undrafted guy, like an out of left field success story. Who do you think he's had any problem being the study for Hank? Like he, he's never been in a position where, this is his goal crease. Like when he's played well, but he also has like a career. His throughout his career so far, he has been a guy who's like uh, pretty good, pretty good. A crazy game comes out of left field where it's like, oh my god, he made fucking forty-five saves against Toronto, or uh, this past season he had a couple of great games against the Islanders where he made like thirty-eight and forty-two saves, and then you know just. An NHL average, a little above average goalie that has the potential to break out a little bit and have a really strong performance. But I think, like, I do believe he has, you know, value. He's the same age as Igor. Like, the thing that is important to me about him is, like, he has the NHL experience that is 
reappealing. I also like the idea of moving forward with these two guys who hopefully, because the other thing no one has really talked about much, like it's an article I've wanted to try and find time to write for banter is what the hell Georgiev's next contract even looks like, right? We've had a lot of discussions about what Strom or D'Angelo, what those contracts look like. Georgiev is a guy who, you know, like a lot of teams look at like, how much do you want to spend? Not just on like, what, what's too much to give to a center. I think everyone agrees, agrees you have to be really careful with term, with goalie contracts. But now I think more and more people are looking at what are you spending in terms of cap space on your goaltenders, period. Like the two guys who have increased, you don't want to get above a certain number. And there is a very realistic scenario here where the Rangers could have Igor and Georgiev, you know, at a very reasonable combined cap hit moving forward. It's just the question of, like you said, I, I don't know what his temperament is, whether or not he's content with being a 1B guy or strictly a 2 guy, if Igor is really that good. But if you look around the league, like those, those, like the Henrik Lundqvist and Carey Prices of the world, the guys who start fucking 65 games a year, they are dying out like goons died. Like they, they, they don't exist anymore. And that's because there's more and more learning, like, you can't ride goalies that hard or they fall, fall apart. And you want to save them for the games that matter. You need two good goalies now. I have my hand raised. I know. I gestured to you. For the people that don't know. Um, I'm wrong. Lundqvist's 5.5 million cap hit, if they buy him out, would be this year. Yeah, but the other thing, Joe, is two years from now, they'd still have 5 million in combined dead cap from Shaddy. Um, and yeah, this year, isn't he? So it's, it's, it's a couple of things. So this year it's is the- Girardi and Shaddy in 2021-2022. The Rangers right now have 2.54 million in dead cap space two seasons from now. So if you add Lundqvist, one point whatever million. Uh, yeah, yeah. 1.5. Because here's the thing. His yeah. 5.5 this year would still save the Rangers money. Now, Tom has done extensive views on why it really doesn't save the Rangers as much money as they think it would because it's only $3 million and you have Georgiev to sign and whatnot. But I will, I'm just rescinding that because the cap hits this year and not next year, there is more of a financial reason to buy him out in that case if you think you can make it work. But I yeah. think we've run around the, the main point here. And, and to be completely honest with you, I don't give a shit about the optics. And I don't give a shit that it's a, a terrible way for the Rangers to kind of... I think from the, the business standpoint of this, the, if I'm the general manager of the Rangers and I don't care about the optics and I don't care about... Like, I talk to Hank and I say, like, Hank, what do you want to do? But I know in my back pocket that, like, if he doesn't want to retire, the best, thing for the, the best thing for the team is trade him. And if he can't find a trade, the next best is likely the buyout. And that sucks a lot. But if he doesn't want to retire, and a guy who has all the power in terms of saying, I'll go here, I won't go here, I'll go here, I won't go here, the good thing is there's not like I think his base salary for next year is like four point five million. Yeah. So a team that's like a little cash poor might be able to be like, all right, fuck it, we'll do it. But this is not an easy knot to untie for Lundquist. You have to like you have to be willing to swallow the fact that you could 
have a very unceremonious and shitty end to a great career. But at the end of the day, you know what? If you cuff in three years, yeah, you that, that shitty taste leaves your mouth in a hurry. If there's anyone that you would argue the business end of things should be more important than the logical end of things, it's Henrik Lundqvist. But I, I think that ultimately if, if the right thing to do, and, and I don't know, we don't know if it's the right thing to do, but if financially it makes the most sense for them to buy Lundqvist out, then yes, it's a shitty way to go, but the Rangers kind of have to do it. And uh, it's gross. Like his career with the Rangers is gross in the grand scheme. Yeah because of what he did for this organization and what he got out of it. Um, you'd be, if any, and it's not even like he was the first overall pick, like other teams didn't have shots. How many organizations could Henrik Lundqvist have gone to and won a Stanley Cup? Probably a hell of a lot of them. Yeah. And, you know, for it to be this is not good. But that's way more sad Henrik Lundqvist stuff than I wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so lift my spirits, Tom. So we're going to switch gears and – a line that you said it's a perfect transition to the next topic when looking at things from a financial perspective and, you know, what's best overall, um, Tony D'Angelo, uh, it sounds like the Rangers are shopping him. Uh, that's what, you know, Larry Brooks wrote in a column where, uh, ideally that they don't want to, spend resources on someone that could be a third pairing defenseman. Um, I know a lot of people are, it's weird because I feel like we get a lot of shit whenever we talk about Tony D'Angelo yet. There's this, he's that his favorite. There's this for, there's this sort of forgetting that at the beginning we were saying, this is a guy that should be playing more. This is a guy that has a skill set, but now we're looking at it from a perspective of, They've clearly drawn a line in the sand with Jacob Truba. They have Adam Fox. They have Nils Lundqvist. And he just happens to be the odd man out. Yeah, the, his skill set isn't as valuable to the team as it was a year ago. A year ago, the Rangers didn't have Adam Fox. They didn't have Jacob Truba not getting any like significant power play time, which is not the entire reason, but it's part of the reason why I look for, like, Jesus Christ did Truba shit the bed in his first season. It didn't help that he wasn't in the top power play unit. And it didn't help that he wasn't able to kind of pad his stats a little bit and help help his own cause with a bunch of secondary assists on Mika Zibanejad one-timers. Um, that is part of this. The other part of this is that the Nils Lundqvist situation is a story wrote by Brooksy, and it's an important point to bring up, which is the Rangers have the logjam on the right side now. And Nils Lundqvist is one of the most important prospects in the entire system. Um, he's a huge deal. Like right now, all anyone can talk about is a prospect that the team hasn't even drafted yet. But you know, like what we have potentially with uh, Nils Lundqvist is, you know, a much a far more balanced, potentially like defenseman than we have even with Adam Fox. And I think he impressed everyone with what he's able to do in his own zone in his rookie year, but it's not, you're not going to move Adam Fox. And you made it really hard to move Jacob Truba. Uh, D'Angelo is hard to move because of the fact that he has the rotation he has, which is something the Rangers knew when they took him on. That's part of the assumed risk they took. So if they have to get less of a return than perhaps they should for a player of his talent, that's kind of the bed they have to sleep in, right? That's the situation they made for themselves. 
Yeah, the problem, and I'm going to withhold judgment on Truba, which again is another hot take apparently, until I see him not with Lindy Ruff because... And not with Libor Hayek and Roche who was traded. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. As as far as I'm concerned, in a lot of respects, you can throw the Capo Caco and Jacob Truba seasons last year out the window to a certain respect just because of the way the Rangers deployed them and, and some of the circumstances outside of their play. Not to say that they weren't disappointing seasons, and I'm putting quotations around that. Um, but when, when it comes down to it, the, the problem you have with D'Angelo, and as always with him, right, everything turns into just this ridiculous, like, oh, you don't like him because he's Republican, he's a Trump supporter, so that's why you want him traded. Here's the reality. If Tony D'Angelo was an unrestricted free agent or a restricted free agent on the New York Rangers two years ago, they would have already signed him to a six-year deal worth $5.5 million. No questions asked. The problem is Adam Fox is really fucking good. And he sort of eliminates the need not for Tony D'Angelo. He doesn't eliminate the need for a power play specialist quarterback who can give you, you know, 50 points a year from the back end. He eliminates the need of Tony D'Angelo at five and a half million dollars because you can't afford that much money to be wrapped up. And yeah, if you could trade Jacob Truba at this point, and again, from a business optics standpoint, you know, who knows whether or not that's something the Rangers are really entertaining D'Angelo is a defensive liability who can put the puck in the back of the net. There's no reason to assume that D'Angelo can't continue that aspect of his career, you know, moving forward. And he's more than likely going to be gotten at a discount for whatever team trades for him. But the problem as always D'Angelo, is if a general manager is worth their salt, they've seen what happens. I mean, he's challenging fans to fights he has his own podcast where he reads mean tweets about himself. I mean, he might listen to this. I have no idea. I, I was screaming from the rooftops that he should be playing more two years ago. And now I'm screaming from the rooftops that the Rangers need to trade him and Ryan Strom for the same reasons, right? You cannot afford to keep these guys long-term with the money they were demanding. You know what? D'Angelo should go get that money. There's no reason for him not to try to get as big and as long of a contract as he can. Phrasing. But the Rangers can't give it to him. They're going to have to pay. And forget, forget Niles because you don't even know what he's going to be yet. But it doesn't matter if he's even a steady third-pair defenseman. It just eliminates the need for, true, for D'Angelo when you have Adam Fox, who had 42 points in his rookie year. I mean, he's a hell of a player. You can't afford all of them. you got to pay the piper at some point. So the Rangers need to make some smarter decisions with their salary cap. I personally don't want to forget Niles Lundqvist because he is the only hope we have of salvaging some sort of dignity out of the McDonough trade because, God damn it, that is aged like a dirty bird that we've forgotten to throw out. I don't – I mean, he's the only reason that trade is not an unmitigated disaster, and I think it's even worse when you consider the fact that JT Miller was a literal throw-in, like they threw him into the deal just to get rid of him. Uh, and again, you know, not for nothing. I was of the mind that the Rangers probably did not want to pay JT Miller what he was going to get at the time. I was wrong. So I'm in it with them. But they really, and same thing with the Stepan trade because of everything that happened with D'Angelo. Like, it's incredible how little homework the Rangers did. I mean, Brett Howden has been a disaster, let's be honest. 
if Libor Hayek is an Corey Cronman has Brett Howden as his fifth ranked Rangers prospect. I don't give a shit about that either. If <laughs> if Libor Hayek is an NHL player for the New York Rangers, like that's going to be a win, regardless of what type of player he is. So Niles is the only thing keeping that trade afloat right now. Yeah, and it's it's hard because people sort of try and evaluate, you know, what you say. Um, I, fundamentally, I look at it like this. It's not moves that they're making for this season. They need to be playing more so now than ever two, three years ahead because part of it is they're funding this journey. You have these really promising young prospects. You have some good players on the roster, but they don't have enough. I think you look at Vegas, you look at Colorado, right? They were really good teams in the season, but they didn't get it done in the playoffs. And the Rangers, you look at their roster, like, okay, yeah, you have a Panarin. Yeah, you have a Zibanejad. Two of your top players, right, they're over the, they're over the age of 27. Um, they're getting older. And this is not to say, oh, once you get older, you're done. But you need to have a plan in place so that you're adding young talent that at a point, they go to your second line. And yeah, you have that with Kako. You have that potentially with Lafreniere. Um, but you need to, to keep your options open. And when Fox needs to get paid, when Igor needs to get paid, when Kako needs to get paid, Lafreniere, all that, that, that's all good and well. But are you going to be in a position financially to add free agents uh, to put you over the top if you're paying you know, over $5.5 million for a defenseman that would be – on your third pair potentially. Um, and the, the thing of it is, is I think that they could get good value in a trade because there's going to be teams that can utilize his skill set. And you look at it as the cap savings that you allocate to other players and the return. Um, so I don't think it's that controversial, but again, people say, oh, it's because of politics and all that, but no, it's just that they've the made- jam. Yeah, they created exactly. a problem. Yeah, and as Brooks pointed out, like they could lose Nils for nothing because he doesn't that's have- That's unacceptable. To, yeah, he, he doesn't have to sign an ELC. I don't know how, like, I don't know how real that is from, from Brooks or how much of that speculation or but it's, it's are even the, somewhat concerned about that. But I agree with you in that it's just another reason heaped on the trade, Tony D'Angelo. I mean, look, I'm going to be honest with you. D'Angelo was exceptional offensively last year. Like he blew away even my most optimistic, you know, forecasts of what he could do. I'm exhausted with him. I'm exhausted with the social yeah, I'm exhausted with like the nonsense that he brings out of the woodworks because of, you know, what he represents and not even politically, like just Tony D'Angelo seems to be like this lightning rod for people telling you you're a fucking idiot for not liking him. People are yelling at me that I don't like him. Two years ago, I was getting yelled at because I wanted the Rangers to play him and I was an idiot because he sucks. It, like, there is no player I can ever remember, and, and it's not really fair to the pre-social media years, causing this much just drama. It's just drama. He's telling Lou he's going to fight him at a Ranger game after the game. To, like, a year and a half ago, he's in Hartford. He's fighting with people on Twitter. Like, I don't need this shit. I don't care. He's a professional hockey player. You have your own podcast? I mean, great. 
do it. It's good for the brand. I don't disagree. I, After I, you get paid. I, I, and, and he's going to get paid, and he deserves to get paid. If I'm Tony D'Angelo, I am not taking some bridge contract. He took the bridge contract, and I warned about this last year, that the Rangers are taking a serious risk because Tony D'Angelo has an insane amount of talent, and he could put up a big season, and now you've kicked the can down the road, and it's going to get worse. If I'm Tony D'Angelo, I am signing a long-term deal, and someone will give it to him. Do you think, with Brooks's piece, he's saying the Rangers, it's in their best interest to turn Tony D'Angelo into the second center they need? And his whole premise is you get a young, cheap second-line center. The problem I have with that like, approach is like, what team is going to give you a young player who has the potential to be a second-line fucking center with a, with a cost-controlled, under-23, 24 years old second-line center guy like, that doesn't exist on the trade market for There's Tony D'Angelo? one trade out there for Tony D'Angelo in that – that realm that makes sense. What's that? Max Domi. It's the only one. <laughs> and he's not even really a center, right? He's a winger at this point for the Canadians. Yeah, he'll just take on a different headache. Uh, correct. He's yeah. another, and I'm not saying makes sense like, oh, the Rangers should do it. I'm saying makes sense and like this is a trade that could happen. And it's, we know Montreal's shopping him. Yeah. It's a tra- change of scenery, right? Yeah. You move both of them. Domi could play center. He, he puts up points. Like, there are things there that make sense for the Rangers to desire. And Wouldn't it be nice to have JT Miller? Wow. There are things that D'Angelo will, would be attractive to to Montreal. But the reality of the situation is you're not – like, Tampa's not trading for him back, so all of those options are out the window. Like, who is going to take – Tony D'Angelo. So, I, think, I don't know who wants him. I don't think it has to be a straight one for one real. trade. It can be you're trading D'Angelo to a team that has a need for someone like him. So you get uh, draft picks, you get a prospect, you get another roster player. You can then take those assets and use them in a separate deal. So hypothetically yeah. speaking, you move him somewhere, you get these assets back. Then you go to a team like Montreal and like, okay, what, what is a Philip Deneau going to cost? And then can we talk to him about a potential extension? Hey, what are you looking to do? And then you get that idea. I think, and this is a take that people have gotten mad at, I think the long-term second-line center of the future is Mika Zibanejad. I think that is the play. But like, I don't know for the height of this team, if he's going to be your number one center, because I see like it's potentially another Chris Kreider situation where he's on, he was on such an amazing deal Kreider that he's now signed this larger deal and he's where Zabanjad is going to be the same thing. You have him on such a bargain basement contract relative to his production that, you know, he's going to be what 29 when he's uh, up for free agency and that's going to be another long-term contract. And odds are he wouldn't be the number one center for the length of that deal. So it's all these interconnected things where it's why you can't keep Ryan Strom, you can't keep Tony D'Angelo. You need to start thinking like, okay, when we're a Stanley Cup contender, my number one goalie is Igor. One of my top defensemen is Fox. Some of my top wingers are Panarin, Kako, Lafreniere. If on this roster you don't see pieces that – are in that puzzle, 
you move them out and, and you give yourself the flexibility to get who you need. My, the first thing that came to mind when you said that, oh, you can acquire assets knowing you can move them to get something is like, it's kind of like what the Rangers thought they were going to do with Vlad Nemestikov. And yeah. I, I don't mean to bring up that Tampa trade again, but the way they handled Nemestikov as an asset drove me insane. They, it's like they went out of their way to rid him of all of his crude value. And then they ended up getting a fourth round pick for them for him after playing him like four games into the season this year. And they moved him to Ottawa, right? Like that, that was our big waiting to see what this will hatch into with Vlad Nemestikov. But it is really interesting to me what is going to happen in terms of finding the second line center. I, I'm not sure I can connect the dots confidently between D'Angelo solving that problem, using him as the asset to solve that problem, just because he has so much fucking baggage. And that's a real thing. If you're a small market team, you know, I, before the podcast, I was looking at teams like there's plenty of teams who could use a power play quarterback, plenty of teams who could use a right-handed defenseman. But a lot of those teams are in markets where they don't want the headache, right? There's, you know, there's a reason why, you know, teams like, like Arizona could use a guy like D'Angelo a lot, like, but it would be a headache. Like you have to find the right setting for this guy. And that's, you know, that's a problem that honestly D'Angelo needs into for himself, um, you know, in terms of what he does and says away from the ice, uh, you know, he can believe whatever he, he'd like to believe, but challenging fans to fist fights and, you know, see me, you know, being tolerant by not speaking up about, you know, those who rally around him who have crazy ideas, um, you know, in terms of harassing people who, who don't like him just because they don't like him. Like that's those people notice that shit. It's a problem. I, I really curious what the return for Strom would be uh, just because I'm like sell high. Joe said like Stop sell high. Ryan Strom right now is the best time to sell on Ryan Strom. And whatever I'm getting more and more towards the, if you can move Tony D'Angelo and get assets of value, like, like I don't care what that necessarily looks like. The center version of a Julian Gauthier, a guy who has like a really like tantalizing skill set, where it's like, ooh, this might be something. I don't know. Like the Rangers need to start considering it because of there's the logjam there, and you do need to find a way to get a center and you already know in this draft you're getting another left winger you want at least in your top nine, right? With Lafreniere, you, you don't want him on your fourth line, which is what they seem content to do with Capo Caco for part of the year. But uh, that's where we are. Anyway, we've talked, we already talked about a bunch of things. I think we got to get to questions. Yeah. Um, we will get to questions after we take a nice ad break. Just like that, we're back from the break. Um, Delicious meals. 
You're all still selling ads, huh? Is Mike still saying things right after, like, oh, sometimes? Hey, and then we listen to the ad, and it's like, stop whale killings. Yeah. Please stop putting harpoons into blue whales. I love that restaurant that just happened. That is a great place. food place. It hits the spot. Yeah, or it's like a pot. When you're here, your family. So let's see. Um, first question, I'll get some of the silly ones out of the way. Oh, see, I like not knowing the questions, Mike. Oh, I didn't uh I didn't read any of these ahead of time. I'm just I just scanned them. I, I didn't read them. Mike either. used to always yell at me because I'm just way better at this than he is, and I was always prepared to answer these questions off the cuff, but all right. Because you bullshit your way through life and everything. <laughs> you are not wrong, my friend. There is no plan for any of this. It just happens. I mean, that's the 2020 way, isn't it? Just It's just a Kung Fu master. Yeah, but that's been the 1988 way moving forward. The Joe, Joe is high charisma. Uh, Mike doesn't have high charisma. If I were a Skyrim character, I would have like one strength, but a ton of charisma. That's all I would have. So I can't, Maybe, uh, get, yeah. but I can with words. Question comes from Kevin Power. Uh, who is Joe Fortunato and can he provide us with tacos? So uh, let me get this out of the way. Uh, I am a dictator who runs the site with an iron fist. And there's sometimes the from the when you're around. Yeah. When I'm around. You're an absent father is what you are. Illusion. See, this is good because when a <laughs> bastard father inevitably listens to this, they will uh, fire me immediately. Um, <laughs> I have promised the people, and that's really not even the right word. The people believe that I promised them tacos. I will not be providing tacos until you've earned tacos. And I got news for you. After the fucking attitude I've dealt with from the two of you in this past 40 minutes, none of you are getting tacos. <laughs> you can't see it, but Mike uh, just raised up an image to Joe. Um, this question comes from uh, Larry Dan Antonio. Uh, if you had to make a player comparison to Lafreniere, which NHL player does he most resemble based on his overall play? Ooh, mm. that's a really good one. The one I've heard from, I think it was, I, don't, I don't remember who it was exactly, but I think it was like sort of like Miko Rantanen. Um, but I'm not, I'm not sure. Marion Hosa was the one. That's that a I've fun heard. one. Um, Marion Hosa is the, the comparison that I've seen a lot of and not, it gets dangerous, right? When you start comparing yeah. players to players of that caliber, but we're a hall of famer on his first ballot, even though correct, he but, but somebody who can beat you literally like Hosa could beat you in any way. He could score on you. He could make a great assist. Like he opened the ice up. That is the type of player he is. Now, whether or not he lives up to, you know, Hosa's billing is, is another thing, but that comparison feels right. Like that style of play feels right. I like Ranton just because I know Lafreniere is one of those guys who can like, I feel like he defaults to just making the that is most likely to result in a goal. But he, like he's proven that, he can be the he can be the playmaker guy. He can be the finisher guy. He's the offensive, you know. He's the high quality generating winger, like a guy who can drive play from the wing. There's not a lot of those guys that are around. They're a big deal. That's the sort of player Panarin is. But I wouldn't call Lafreniere like a Panarin type. Um, I think 
the Hosa one's interesting to me just because I know, you know, later in his career, Hosa got a lot of accolades and attention for being this like stud defensive winger, right? Like, you know, especially when he was in Chicago, it's like, oh, look at this guy. He's, you know, he's, you know, like a, a guy being the Selkie con- uh, conversation. I'm not sure that's what I would think of in terms of what left Lafreniere might be, but like early Hosa is really interesting to me. I, I just, I'm bad at these things, like comparing like to like with players. And like, you know, I think there's a lot of pitfalls in doing it. And I know that's a way to kind of cop out of answering this, but the Rantanen one is interesting to me. Um, you know, a guy who, you know, is creative, I think is a higher, much higher ceiling than a guy like Goudreau, Johnny Goudreau, but like a guy who can be responsible really for creating his entire line's offense and doing things, but he's a very different sort of player than a, a Johnny Goudreau. I like that. So, um, yeah, the, the thing that's so fun about him, I think, is that we're going to watch him develop. And, you know, we talked about the log jam on the right side. There's also a log jam in the left wing um, because of Panarin and Kreider. So it'll be really interesting to see what role he has an opportunity to step into um, in his rookie year. And, what he'll be able to kind of do and prove to the coaching staff. I'm hoping he just blows everyone out of the fucking water. And so guess what? I'm your new second line left winger. And, you know, Chris Kreider is all of a sudden becomes like, well, maybe we shouldn't have given him that contract. That would actually be a great scenario for the Rangers. If this guy looks like a franchise player right out of the gate, sign me up for that problem. Just like the three goalie problem. Um, a couple of these we already talked about, but I still want to read them just so we acknowledge them. Uh, Alex Gardner, I've seen Deneau's name thrown out as a possible 2C target, maybe in a trade involving D'Angelo. That feels like Ryan Strome, but cheaper. Is he a realistic option? Is he a worthwhile option? If he's worth pursuing, does a package built around ADA make sense? If, if he wants out of, of Montreal, Montreal. Theoretically, he does, right? He's not happy with the role that he had in the playoffs. He, he was kind of outspoken in the media. Yes, I, that again, like I said, where Domi for one for one with D'Angelo, you could do something like that, and that would make far more sense for the Rangers than Domi would. But Max Domi's 25. I'm sorry? I know. Max Domi's 25. Just the problem weird. with Domi, it's, it's not a skill thing because he'll put up more offense than Dano will. It's he's not really a center, right? Like he's done nothing but play the wing of late. So, and I'm talking the past few years, does that help? Because you could just, you're going to end up shifting Heedle one way or another too. So it's, it's a good question. It's a good question. Yes. I I do think those are the types of deals the Rangers are going to be looking for when it comes to D'Angelo. You need to find one who's going to be a better idea, even as a stopgap than extending Ryan Strom. That's the, the big takeaway for me here. You just need a better not, answer than that. Not for nothing. I was wrong about Strom last year too, right? Like I never thought he would duplicate his offense and he did that and then some. I yeah, never played with Marin, but he did yeah. that and then some. But again, Strom should be looking for the longest contract he could sign. If he could yeah. sign a 50-year contract, he should sign a 50-year contract because he's never going to have that season again without Panarin. That and because Strom's smart enough than doing that. Strom's longest contract has been his ELC. 
And since that point, it's been like short deals because yeah, this blows for Strom really. The, the fact that there's renting this this fixed cap and everything is a guy who I think Strom is going to be fine. Somebody's going to pay for him. Trust me. No, I hope so. Not the Rangers. Go ahead, Tom. Next question. Terminally chill. Joe, have you considered donating Wizardy to science? Perhaps his longevity is the key to the cure. So here's the, the most fucked up part about the Wizardy saga. I emailed the company. All of it. Brock, All of it. And, and said, yo, this was, year, this was a couple of years ago. I think I did it on the podcast. Yo, I have a 25-year-old frog. Like, is this normal? And the response, and God, I wonder if I could very quickly find it while I'm on the podcast, but it was a very, like, just, yeah, we kind of don't care situation. And I remember this. They were like, once in a while, one of these things is immortal, whatever. Yeah, they, they pretty yeah. much said they were just like, wow, that's an old frog, but we've had some frogs live to be like 30. And it's like, what the fuck did yeah. you Hey, um, they, they treated you like the guy who, like, the back of a oh, here, here it is. like, call I, for comments. They, that's how they First of all, <laughs> all right, so here's what I did. This is March 15th, 2013. So we're going way, <laughs> okay? We're going Seven way years back. ago. Yeah. I said, uh, to whom it may concern, we've, we've brought two frogs, blah, 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 when I was seven years old alive today blah 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 blah. i'm curious the average lifespan is of these frogs i can't imagine it's typical that one of these frogs would live for 19 years is this normal um and the response is i'm wondering if i should even give this email out it's it's from an email that like a child would create it's just letters there's no it's whatever it says dear grow a frog enthusiast thank you for your email (laughs) (laughs) average about a five-year lifespan. However, as you know, in some instances, they can live much longer. 19 years old is a very old grower frog. We do not want to jinx this, but in some instances, they can live even longer than that. We know of folks with 30-plus-year-old frogs. To connect with folks with older grower frogs, we invite you to check out Maurice the Frog's Facebook page. Best regards, Gilly. Gilly. What a perfect name they for a frog. They responded the next day, so on a Saturday. So, so that's, that's, that's I, like, they don't seem concerned that this, this zombie frog is. Maurice the Grow Frog on Facebook. So, that's where I am for the rest of the night. Are you oh, no, he died. He died? Oh, no. The banner is missing you today, Maurice. Oh, no. Maurice Grow a Frog, home on Facebook. Let's see. Oh, no. We're missing you, know, you today. If you go, go down, do you see the first picture of a frog? The one on yeah. the fourth? That is exactly what Wizardy looks like, with the eyes and everything. It says missing you. That's his death. That's his obituary. He would have been 28. How old is Wizardy? Wizardy is a year away from this frog's death. Well, make a fucking Facebook page, you idiot. That's what this clearly have to do. Oh, this chick, this Maurice chick went on Conan O'Brien to talk about her grow a frog. Oh, wow. Yeah, I should be on Conan O'Brien. That's Kate Michucci, though. She's a famous comedic actor. Oh, but she says she, oh, you're, you're right, actually. She's from the Big Bang Theory. I'm, I'm just recognizing her now. She talks about her 24-year-old grow a frog. That was in 2017. So obviously 
once Maurice died, they, they mark him as a public figure, which I think is fantastic. Um, once Maurice died, they stopped posting photos. So, From uh, Danny Black, uh, with all the discussions around RFAs and trades for potential 2CL left-hand D, what do you think the value of some guys like D'Angelo, Strom, Buchar, and who do you think they target with these assets? I mean, we talked about D'Angelo and Strom. Um, You're just brushing off questions today. It's rude. I'm, well, we kind of there's nothing really. there's nothing better than throwing like a little wrench in Tom's like wheels and then just watching the wheels just grind to a halt. Yeah, I because mean, Tom is lawful it's, good it's, and pure. It's, 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 it's absolutely true. And so I, when you hint at some sort of correct nefarious like, action, yeah. it immediately he can't fat like Tom yeah. may be one of the few people on this planet that rivals the the pure hearted nature of Mike. The difference is Mike is like cynical and does have evil to him. Tom doesn't have an evil bone in his body. So Tom's wielding a knife. Suggested <laughs> that he did something nefarious. The brain immediately shut down. He didn't know how to reply. So yeah. I, I'll say this: I was triggered by the fact that Butch was named here because I don't think they should trade him. Yeah, I don't think but they Tom, should trade Butch either. But Tom, when you said your whole forecasting the Rangers in a couple of years, these guys who could fit in the shirt. Is Booch a part of that picture? Well, yeah, because they need they need right wingers. Booch never just better than people give him credit for. He has oh, he's crazy good. I was looking at his uh, expected goal differential, today. but he's a fucking good hockey player. Yeah. He's as good as Wizardy is old. <laughs> <laughs> so he's almost so good that he's on death's door. He's almost right. crazy. Some he's almost like a mortal frog. You need to make a. You at least need to preserve. It. Wizardies for your children take pictures and videos. Of I don't. Thing. I don't know what he like. He'll probably just turn to ash when he dies. Like at the end of End or Infinity War, where everyone just puffs. Whoa! Spoiler. It's been nineteen Spoiler. years. Give me a goddamn break. Spoiler, you jerk. Let's go, Tom. Next question. If they don't trade it, who should the Rangers draft with their second first rounder? Ooh. I'm going to give you a mic answer. Who's on the board? <laughs> yeah, I mean. Who, who's on the board? Who's on the board? I like Noel Gundler and I like Jacob Perot. Ooh, Gundler is a big no-no, according to Adam. Oh, yeah? Big no-no. My, well, I, my, I like Perot oh, because he. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Gundler's not a no-no. That's Kate Gould. Gun, yes, yes, you're right. Gundler's good to go. Uh, my sack, I think, is somebody that I would want the Rangers to take. Mizzick. Um, is it Mizzick? Yeah. Why would he spell it my sack? Ellis Island, that's why. Uh, Seth Jarvis, I think, is somebody, if he's available, his stock is skyrocketed. I mean, there's definitely players there that the Rangers are going to be interested in. I, I don't know. Who's on I like the, Jacob Perot. Who's on the board? Who's on the board? Who's on the board? Who's on the board? Put it on the board. Put it on the board. Last question. Do you like Holloway really quick? Do either of you like Max Holloway? I don't think he falls there, but. I'll be honest. Once they got the number one overall. Dylan, I'm sorry, Dylan Holloway. Why did I say Max Holloway? I don't once, know. We're all fucking up at this point. Yeah. Once they got the number one overall pick, I was like, all right. They pick really Lafreniere and whatever they do with the other one. I really don't care. I, like, I do like Holloway, Mike. I think the Rangers probably know quite a bit about him because of Miller as well. So 
Yeah, well, why not take Lafreniere and then Hendrix Lapierre? Just get his <laughs> give everyone a headache. I mean, because we, we won't have Lundquist and Lundquist more. Put it on the board. Who's on the Put board? Put it on the board. Um, next question on the board. Uh, this comes from World by Mike. Uh, the Rangers won't trade Truba despite the fact it's the obvious thing to do, both from a cap and team construction perspective. Who would take him? Why does Ego win out, refusing to make mistakes or face mistakes, even though this move would lead to more wins, thus more ego satisfaction? What are, what are, what are, like, how anyone can, and look, I'm not, again, arguing that Truba's contract is not extraordinarily dangerous right now, but. Like, I would say it's bad. It's a bad you contract. You saw what happened to Pionk, right? When he left Lindy Ruff. Like, let's see what he does in an actual coaching situation and a real, you know, defensive scheme. But, like, <laughs> who's, who's going to trade for him? Put it on the board. It's on the board. That's my, I don't know who trades for Jacob Truba at the moment. It's, it's Mike, it's on the board already. Okay. It's already on the board. It's already on the board. The board Peter Laviette is the head coach of the Capitals, by the way. Yeah, that's a that's put it on the board. It's on the board. Also on the board. Oh, the whole reason we wanted to have you on, and we didn't even ask you before I, I read the names of our patrons. What was your reaction uh, when they won the lottery? Like, were you surprised? Fuck! I have to go do a podcast now. Was my reaction? I was fuck. I got to go get a tattoo. Uh, oh, are you getting a tattoo? Oh yeah, I like Mika had put out like a tweet of like let's throw out things into the universe to give them karma, and I'm like, all right, like if they so happen to win this, I'm thinking you know one in eight shot. Who knows? I'll get a, I'll get a tattoo of the number one pick's jersey number. So you're getting an ass tattoo of his jersey number? No, I'm not going to get it on my a ass. shaft tattoo. No, I'll get it on. Put my on the ass. shaft. Put on the board. Put on the shaft. Um, asses and chaps. So I was actually, we, we were in the process. When was the draft or the lottery? It's about a month ago. Yeah. So we were in the process of selling our house. Um, I was going to pick up dinner for the family and my, you want to watch the lottery? And I said, no, because when I watched the lottery with the year before, like, yes, the Rangers won the lottery, but they didn't get the first overall pick. They got, you know, the second overall pick. So in my twisted logic, I thought if I don't watch, then they'll win the lottery. Um, my wife called me and she was like, guess what? And I was like, what? And she goes, guess who won the lottery? And I said, no fucking way. There's no way. And then I thought for about five minutes that my wife was playing a trick on me. Then I proceeded to text and drive for probably, I don't know, 10 minutes or so, which was very dangerous. But don't put your that. life in peril as a peril because father of two young children. Good idea. Who doesn't know me at all is going to come potentially to my favorite hockey team. Uh, but I was, I, I mean, you cannot overstate how much this changes the, the trajectory of the New York Rangers with, with Kako and, and just this, this lottery win. It, it's incredible how we've gone from the letter in 2017 to the number one prospect pool, according to the athletic and, uh, you know, two yeah, number five. So put it on the board. Tom, we should, you should do, if everybody gives, everybody who's a patron should have a one, like a lottery selection and they get to, whoever wins gets to uh, tell you where to get the tattoo. I don't know about that. Whether it's on your face, the tip of your penis or otherwise. No, yeah. I'm, 
I'm confident that I, I won't make that decision for myself. No, I, I think you should, leave, you should leave it to the people, Tom. All the cool guys in prison have face tattoos, Tom. Yes. Don't you want a face tattoo? Not really. It'll give you street cred, Tom. I, if I, you I, ever end up in prison, God forbid, people will be like, that motherfucker's killed someone. Yeah, he's got maybe 20 people, depending on what the number is. That motherfucker has like a birdcage in his house made out of human bones. Uh, so oh, this was fun, guys. It was fun. And special thanks to all of our, our patrons uh, who helped make this show possible. A six-foot gap, Adam Nahoek, Aiden Gaspar, Amriel Kistner, Andre Chicagoff, Andy White, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarner, Osterheim, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll. <laughs> Daniel Jazen, David L. Singer. Keep it together, Tom. Frank Menino, George Littman, Igor Zavlovsky, Jamie Bushold, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Pretzipelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Kushtastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matthias Olson, Michael Alsante, Michael Kennick, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nick Antropov, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin 2020, Patrick Landholt, Perennial Powerhouse, Sammy Vogel, Seinberg, Sean, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Antropov is a patriot, is a patron. That's fucking awesome. That's Steve fucking dope. Freeman, Tall Guy Rob, The Arrow. Tall Guy Rob! The Tin Man. Sorry for your neighbors. And Trevor Kempner. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your. Put support. it on the board! Big yeah. Trevor Kemp's. Leave nice reviews in iTunes. Uh, support the Patreon. Uh, Only leave a nice review if you're going to complain about me not being on the podcast anymore. No, I don't like that. It's leave like, a five star review. Only like be like, Mike, is that a buffalo behind you? Yeah, it's my. I donate to wildlife places, so I get free animal calendars. You fucking bleeding hard. Leave, leave for reals. <laughs> Good reviews for the podcast. Mike and Tom work very well. I want animals to expire, Joe. I like animals. Mike and Tom work very hard. I am Schmucky the Clown. I do not value of this podcast. Um, Put it on the board. So that's where it's got to go. Only one place for it. On the board. How do you guys normally end this? I, Um, I I just say... Tom says goodbye, and then I say goodbye in a funny voice. But right now, I'm just thinking about how many bones I would need to make a bird cage out of human bones. Obviously, you go for the rib cage. How big of a bird? If it's a hummingbird, you need like the hand. Oh, just the skull, right? Put it on the board. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Uh, thank you. Send Joe. us your drawings of uh, of bird cages made out of human remains. If you and, want uh, me to come back to the podcast, just bombard Mike with handwritten letters. Need birdcage drawings. If we need ten, if Joe is ever to come back, if you get ten, I will come back for another show. There you go, folks. That's there you go. Send Mike. So Mike, give out your home address, please. Um, ten. It's it's one two three. Fuck your face long. boulevard. Hand. Wow, you live on Fuck Your Face Boulevard. I heard that's really nice. Um, hand drawn. I only just moved in. We should have like a PO box, although there's probably a cost associated with that. And I don't know how much mail we'd ever get. You'd probably get a lot of hate mail. Well, that's a nice thing to say. Let's show on that because Joe's a piece of human garbage. <laughs> uh, I know how we'll end it. Joe is a whale. No, Mike is a whale. <laughs>